Hey, we're glad to see you guys. Uh, I know it's a holiday week. How many for the week of sleeping in? Students, anybody? They're asleep, apparently. Uh, we got some sleeping in. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, listen, we're wrapping up a series called The Waiting Room today. And uh, how many of you would say that I'm waiting on something in my life? There's something that I wish would happen and I'm waiting for it to happen. A good percentage of you. The rest of y'all just aren't listening. So uh, most of us are waiting. Here's what we've discovered. Uh, nobody likes to wait, and yet we all have to do it. And what we talked about through this last couple of weeks is there's a purpose behind our waiting. And when we're waiting for something big, there's a reason for it. And the reason for it is simply this. God wants you to get to know him in a new and a fresh way as you're waiting on him. There's the purpose behind it right there. And, and but waiting's tough. I mean, I mean, honestly, I can think of back, you know, when you're cooking with mom or grandma, they had a saying, they'd always say this, good things come to those who wait. It was usually when they're baking cookies and it's taking forever. And you're just walking, you're looking through the little window of the oven, wishing those cookies would be done. And you just, there's just pure torture waiting on those things. But she said, it's good things to those, comes to those who wait. Now, when we're waiting on something big, it's hard. And it might look like this in your life. God, I, I need an answer. God, I'm asking you for this. God, I'm listening. Where are you? God, I'm waiting. I've waited for a while. I feel like I need to make a decision. So God, I, I hadn't really heard from you. I'm not really uh, clear about this, but I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger because I, I'm just tired of waiting. I think a lot of us do that, but I think we need to understand something. There is consequences to our actions, especially when we don't wait for God's timing on things. The consequences of when we get ahead for God can look, get ahead of God can look like this. You can get ahead of God and you can go down the wrong path and you can end up in the wrong place. You can end up in the wrong job. You can end up in the wrong house. You can end up in all kinds of wrong places. You can also end up with the wrong people. You can end up with the wrong friends. In fact, if I said, how many of you say, I've ended up in the wrong job or the wrong house or the wrong place? Okay, we got some hands. Now, if I said, how many of you ended up with the wrong spouse? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You're stuck. <laughs> Get along. But getting in the wrong place or getting with the wrong crowd or getting with the wrong person is actually not even the worst case scenario when we don't wait on God. You want to know what it is? The worst case scenario when we refuse to wait on God's timing and God's plan and God's way is this, that we might actually succeed and do okay without him. That we would blaze a new trail without God, without his plan, without his guidance, without his timing, and we might actually think that we're doing okay, and it just undergirds this underlying assumption that we really don't need God in our day-to-day -day affairs. That we don't need him for the critical decisions of our lives. That we can just pretty much get by without him until something really bad happens. That's the worst case scenario if we don't wait on God. And so we try to fix things and oftentimes we end up living life as a practical atheist. And only turn to him when we really need him. But you know, some things we just can't fix. And some things we just have to wait on. And so what do we do then? What do we do then? We wait. 
and we learn what it means to wait on God. I can tell you from experience, I have struggled with this through my life. I have struggled with waiting. About, about four years ago, our church made an offer on some property. It had land and a church building, and it was right down the road from where we were meeting. And we made an offer, and it kind of looked like it was going to work out. And I thought, here we go. This is going to be awesome. And the, and the plan fell through. The deal fell through. And uh, I, was, I was, man, I was mad. I was upset. And a friend of mine said, listen, if God said no to that, this, that just means he's got something better for us down the road. Well, y'all are going, that's right. And I said, I don't think so. (laughs) I wasn't so sure of that. I mean, I honestly told him, I said, I think we missed out on God's best for us. That's what I said four years ago. And over time, uh, that kind of went away. And now you look at it today, and obviously you go, we've got 95 acres in a great spot, and we're moving forward with the building, and God's doing all the, everything he's doing, and it's working out great. But in hindsight, and we're back in the day when it was there and it was fresh, I just really questioned what God was doing. I questioned his timing. I wondered if he was really for us. So I want to, maybe you've had those same thoughts and those same feelings. I want to share from you with God, from God's word, how to wait well. How to, when you're waiting, what does God want you to do? And so to do that, I've got two books of the Bible, uh, both written by Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. I want you to turn to those. I'll have the verses on the screen also. But I want to send the backdrop again. I talked about Jeremiah two weeks ago, and this is the backdrop. The, most of the book of Jeremiah, God is telling him, tell the people of Israel, God's people, that they're coming under judgment and Babylon's coming to destroy them. They're going to wipe them out and they're going to take them to captivity unless they repent and they do not repent. And so then God drops the hammer and everything he said would happen, happened. And a few of them escaped to Egypt, and, and, and Jeremiah is one of them. And in Egypt, God gives him the words of the book of Lamentation. And he tells him, look, for 70 years, you guys are going to be in captivity, and you're going to have to tell this message to Israel, who's now going to wait 70 years to move back to their homeland, wait 70 years to be back to their fields, 70 years to go back to the worship of God in his temple, 70 years, their whole lives are on hold. A generation or two will be wiped out, and you'll have to wait. And so God gives words of wisdom to the Israelites, say, this is how you wait for 70 years. And those words of wisdom are good for us today as we wait. And this is what he says. Now, I'm going to give you an acronym today, kind of four words, not alliterated, but four different letters kind of spell the word wait. And I've realized why I don't do this very often is because I really stink at it. I'm really bad. Like, the first word is kind of a phrase, and it's wind back. That really is grabbing, isn't it? I needed a W, and I couldn't find a W. In fact, I really wanted to use the word remember, but like your two-year-old says it, remember. So if that works better for you, just go with remember, Okay. So either remember or wind back. The first thing God wants you to do when you're waiting is remember. Elmer Fudd would be proud of me. Remember. Here's what he says. Look at Lamentations chapter 1 verse 7. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 7. They are just realized they've got a whole lot of waiting to do. And this is what the Lord says. In the days of her affliction and wandering... Jerusalem remembers, there it is, all the treasures that were hers in the days of old. 
He says, listen, I know things are bad right now, but in the days of your wandering in Egypt for 70 years, in the days of your affliction and all the horrors you've seen, here's what I want you to do. Go back and remember how faithful I've been to you over the years. I started with a man named Abraham, and I was faithful to him, and then his son Isaac, and I was faithful to him, and I was faithful to his son Jacob, and out of that man, I made 12 tribes, and those 12 tribes, they flourished, and then they went into Egypt, and they were 400 years in captivity, and they cried out for help, and I remembered them, and I was faithful to them, and I brought them out out with using Moses and miracles, and I sustained them in a desert for 40 years. And then they came in under the leadership of Joshua and I established them in this land that you're now departed from. In all this, I've been faithful to you. Remember that. He says, you need to go back and remember all the treasures that were yours. See, when we get in a spot of waiting and waiting, the temptation is to only look at today and not remember what God has done. So we get short-sighted in the future when we're waiting, and we get really short memories when we're waiting. In fact, I'd say waiting causes spiritual amnesia. Waiting causes spiritual amnesia, and you go, God, I, you just block out all the good things God has done for you. And you forget what he's done and who he is and how good he's been. And you have to make yourselves, you and I have to make ourselves recall God's track record in our lives. Have you ever done that? Time of Thanksgiving is a great time to do that. You start recalling, just like I did with the people of Israel, time after time again, how he came through for you and how good he's been to you. And you wind back on that and you sit on it. Because I can tell you this, you don't have to me to tell you this, you can see it. I have never missed a meal. I've never missed a meal. He's been faithful. My kids have never missed a meal. We have never gone without clothes. We have always had a roof over our head. He has always been faithful to us, and he's been faithful to you. He's been faithful. So sit on that. When you are waiting, go back and recall the faithfulness of your God that he's seen you through today, and he'll see you through today. So W was wind back, or the other word. A is assess. Not only do you go back to God's faithfulness, is you need to take a look at today and how things are going in your own life. Look what he says here in um, Lamentations 3.40. It says this, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. He said, listen, this is a great opportunity, Israel. You've been wandering away from your God, and you've been mixing in other things, other gods, other practices, other deities, other, other, other religious things that you do, and you've kind of mixed God in with all these other things in your culture and your world, and you've just kind of taken it all in. He says, listen, you're going to have 70 years to purify yourself and come back to just me. So he says, I want you to look in. See, the temptation or, or the, 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 uh, the tendency when you're waiting is to look out and find everything else to blame, someone else, some other situation, something else going on, and you never look in and go, well, what about me? How have I caused maybe something this? And if you're right in the middle of it, you go, I know there's a reason that I'm waiting, and I know there's a reason God's holding that away from me. Is there something I'm doing? Here's the question. Is there something I'm doing or not doing that is inhibiting God in my life? 
Now, let me be really, really clear. What we're not talking about is punishment. We're not talking about punishment. That's Old Covenant stuff. That's Old Testament stuff. God is not waiting for you to mess up so that he can slam you. He's not that God. He's not that God. But there are consequences to our actions. And sometimes we've got to take an inventory of ourselves and go, God, is there something I'm doing that keeping you from more fully be at work in my life? Is there something I've done or I've disobeyed that if I went back to that and obeyed that, then you would, you would set in motion things for me that you are dying to give me. You can't wait to lavish on me, but you can't because if I give you this without you going there, then you'll miss me. I can't wait. I'm already fired up about giving my kids Christmas gifts. I mean, I love it. It's fun, right? I mean, I love it. But if they're brats, it takes a little fun out of it. It really does. God is that father. God is that mother who loves lavishing gifts upon his children. And sometimes he just can't. Because they won't let them. Here's a mistake we make. Focusing on what you're waiting for instead of focusing on you. Focusing on what you're waiting for is counterproductive. When you're locked in on those cookies in the oven, minutes feel like hours. Why won't that thing rise? Why won't it get a brown crust around it? Please, God. I want a cookie and some milk. And it can feel like forever. When you want that spouse and you want to get married, I, I told you about working with singles, and you want that, want that, want that, you're just miserable you think, until you get that. And God says, listen, don't look out there. Look in here. Look in here. He said, examine your ways, test them, and then return to the Lord. You might do this. Listen, you might be waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you might examine yourself, and God goes, you're okay. There's nothing there, but you don't know until you look. So he says, look and test it. Will you pass the test? So take an honest assessment of where you're at. I can tell you for our church, I'm telling just a little bit more about the story of Crossroads. First couple years, we grew like crazy, and we started with basically nobody, and we had, you know, uh, a good growth curve for a couple years, and I kind of thought I was going to be the next superstar pastor. I'm just being real. I was like, this is going to be good, man. I'll be selling CDs and, you know, prayer hankies, whatever they, I don't know. I wasn't that bad. But then we had about a three-year period where we didn't grow at all, completely plateaued. As many as we got, we lost for three three years plus at this church. And I kept saying, God, I'm ready. God, I'm waiting. God, I'm ready to do this big thing. When you're ready, I'm ready. And finally, you know, God kind of got a hold of me and said, why don't you take a peek in? Take a peek in because you're really not ready. You're really not ready. And I did a little assessment in my life and realized that God needed to go to work on me. And when he started doing that, good things started to happen again. Wind back, assess yourself, 
Your I is initiate. I told you I stink at this acronym thing. Initiate. All right? W-A-I, initiate. You know, Foxworthy, uh, Jeff Foxworthy says initiate is, is uh, defined like this. Uh, she ate a sandwich and then she ate a pickle. Come on, that's funny. You got to laugh at that. That's okay. Initiate. <laughs> You're going to use that later. Initiate. It means being proactive. That means not sitting still. That means doing things. See, we think waiting is doing nothing when it's the furthest thing from that. Initiate means that you go after waiting. Now look at what God says. This is Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what he told him. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. God says, look at, look at this. this. We think of it as sitting still and that it's paralysis by analysis. But God says, listen, just look at the verbs here. It is standing. It is looking. It is asking. It is asking. It is walking. It is all these active things. God says, listen, if you want to wait and wait, wait well, then you got to be doing things while you're waiting. You don't just say, God, when you do something, then I'll move. God says, no, you move in the waiting. That's so counterproductive to us. In fact, here's what you do while you're waiting. I got four things for you real quick. Number one thing is you seek God's counsel. If you're taking notes, when you don't know what to do and you've been waiting for a while, what you do, I don't have a Bible, so it loses effect, but you get in the book, okay? You get in the book and you say, God, I know you've spoken about all kinds of things and all kinds of subject, and you've got lots of wisdom for my life. Can you show me from your word what I should do? Because there's plenty in there that he'll show you what you can do. God used the passage in Isaiah 30 to tell me to leave my job as an engineer and go into ministry. Now, it didn't say that, but it said that. Are you with me? So seek God's counsel. Seek God's counsel. I'll give you an example. Uh, see, because God would never lead you somewhere that you, he would violate his, his word. He would never lead you somewhere that would violate his word. Let me give you an example. I'm going to step on some toes. Uh, God says to wait until marriage to have sex. That's what he says. He, said, he says, wait. He says, wait. But everything in this world says, don't wait. Everything in this body says, don't wait. Everything says, don't wait. God says, wait. So here's the dilemma. If that's what God says, and we say, I don't like that, then we have a decision to make, don't we? We are either going to live by what he says or what we say. That's the decision. So knowing it is one thing, doing it is another, is it not? So seek his counsel and act on what God tells you to do according to his word. Number two is ask and be quiet. Now, the first part's easy. We ask all the time. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I want this. Where are you in this? God, God, God. Give it to me. And we're so busy asking, and then we're moving on to something else. And how much do we really wait for the answer? I've done this conversation in my marriage. I'll ask my wife a question, and I'll walk out the room. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I've done it. I do it too much. 
And that's what we do with God. We'll be like, tell me. And hey, I got to go. If you can hit me going 75 miles an hour down I-85, God, that'd be great. If you'll just clue me in as I'm buzzing down the road. But Psalm uh, 64, um, 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. So when you ask, you got to take time to listen. Well, how do I listen for God? I've never heard God with my ears, but I've heard him with my heart a whole lot. And so when you ask, you listen, and you wait for God's movement, his Holy Spirit is in you. And if he's in you, he wants to communicate with you. And if he wants to communicate to you with you, all it requires of you is to listen to him. You'll say, that might be my conscience. Well, it might be your conscience, but it might be the Holy Spirit speaking to your conscience. Well, that might just be a random thought I had. That might be a thought the Holy Spirit put there in your brain. It might be. So you ask and then you get quiet. Number three, seek godly counsel. Um, That's hard to find. That is hard to find. Most of the knuckleheads you know are not worth asking. Can I just be honest? Most of the knuckleheads I know are not worth asking. But find somebody's opinion, but better yet, whose life says is worthy of asking their opinion. So if they're got, you know, nobody's got it all together. But if they got the big chunks in the barrel, then they're probably onto something. Okay? And those are the people you go to. You say, hey, listen, here's what I'm waiting on or here's the big decision I've got. What do you think I should do? And you don't take it hook, line, and sinker. You take theirs and you take someone else's and you've taken God's word and you're praying and you're listening to the Holy Spirit. You got all these things working together. I can't tell you how many times God said something to me as I've read the Bible and I've felt it in my spirit and then somebody confirms it to me later. And I go, dude, there must be something to this. That's how I ended up here. Okay? I mean, that's how God does it. That's how he moves us. If all those fail, I got one more. If all those fail and you just still have no clue what to do, then here's what I would say. Stay where you are until God moves you. Go back to the last command God gave you. It might be be a better father. It might be better be a better student. It might be something. And God says, I would just say, go back to that and major on that until God tells you something else to do. Does that make sense? He might be waiting on you to move through that so he can tell you what's next. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, God would say, you think waiting is passive, but it's not. It is an active pursuit of me, and it's a not a standstill. And God would say this, listen, waiting becomes procrastination when you are not actively waiting. But if you are actively waiting, then it's not. You know this old story about two farmers? They were in a drought. Times were hard. It was getting desperate. And they both prayed for rain. Oh, God, please. And then one of the old farmers saw the other farmer out there plowing up his fields, getting ready. And the guy says, well, what are you doing? I mean, there's a drought going on. Why are you plowing up your fields, man? He says, I'm preparing for the rain. I'm preparing for the rain. See, that's a great picture of what waiting on God looks like. You don't just wait for the rain and then try to hurry up and plow the fields. You plow the fields in anticipation of God moving when God decides it's time to move. 
That's initiate. So what are you waiting on? And are you prepared when it comes? Sometimes when we wait, God is really waiting on us, guys. So we wind back, we assess, we initiate. The fourth one here, when all others fail, when you forget everything else, there's one thing that will get you through a waiting period, and it's trust. You trust him. Look at what the Word of God says. This is Jeremiah 17, 7 through 9. It says this, 17, 7 through 9. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. You know why I love this analogy? Because waiting feels like you're a dried up tree. It feels like a drought. But God says, if those roots will dig down close to me, you will never be dry. You will never wither. When the hard time comes and the waiting comes and the tragedy comes, if you are rooted in by me, then whatever comes, you will still bear fruit and be green. See, we all want a faith like that. We all want a faith that endures the trials. We all want a faith that endures a hard time of waiting. And when the heat and the drought come, you can still be full of life. Don't we all want that? I mean, we read about these people in the Bible, and they waited on God, and they saw it through. And, and everything in our spirits go, I want to be that guy. I want to be that girl. I want to be like Ruth that go, follows Naomi, Naomi to another land, and she waits on God, and God provides the right husband for her, not because she was looking for him, but because she was being God's servant. And you go, man, that's some faith. So here's my questions. When you are waiting, is God still good? I mean, if he, is he still good? Does he still want the best for your life? See, if your answer isn't anything other than a resounding of course, then you're not waiting well and you're not trusting God. Because if all else fails, you can look at the faithfulness of God and say, I trust in him. My confidence is in him. He is that living water that feeds me when life is falling apart. I've still got him and he is all I need. You say, yeah, but it's different when the bills are due. And I don't know where the money's coming. I understand that. And you, you might have a financial issue. But can I tell you, you also have a, a, a trust issue? Your trust in God will be questioned at that very moment. You will not only have a financial issue, you'll have a trust issue you'll have to deal with. You could say this, listen, I'm worried about my kids. They're getting in with the wrong crowd. They're not doing the right, making the right choices. I'm upset about where they're going in their life. And you might have some parenting issues. But I can tell you, you're also going to have a faith issue. You're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to trust Him. See, waiting is always a trust issue. Waiting is always a trust issue. And in a world where we really, get, we really believe that we can't trust anybody but ourselves, God is saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. You may not be able to trust your neighbor. You may not be able to trust your family. You may not be able to give yourself wholeheartedly to these others. But you can trust me. 
I'm not like them. I am trustworthy. That's one of my best qualities, God says. I am trustworthy. So um, let's run our, our little adventure as a church through this grid. Want to? This little acronym of wait. So God's telling us as a church to push forward. And uh, to do some amazing ministry, reaching out to students and people that need recovery and helping families. And we're going for that, guys. And we feel like we need a, we're going to use a building as a tool to leverage that, that building to better effectively reach our community. And that's a little bit of a step. And that's a little bit of a, for us right now, is a, a wait. It's a wait. So let's go back. Has God been faithful to us as a church? If you'd have told me a year and a half ago we'd be sitting on 95 acres paid for with a house on it, I'd have told you you were crazy. If you'd have told me four years ago we'd be growing, I'd have gotten, I don't, I don't know, I don't see it. God has been faithful, and he's doing great things. So when we wind back, we passed the test, man, God's been good. When you, look, you assess how we're doing as a church, there is no perfect church, and this one's included in that category. But we're healthy. We're united. We want the same things. I think we passed the A test. Okay? Initiate. Are we going after things? We are not standing still. I can tell you that. We're not standing still. We're making plans to start the student cafe in that little house that we own as a church. And if God wants to put a building there and we do more of it, that's great. But we're not standing still waiting on that. We're starting more ministry all the time. We are waiting. See, we will not compromise biblical standards to do it. And so God says, listen, you don't need to take on a million dollars debt. We're not going to do that. We're going to get $150,000 in the bank minimum before we move on this property, on the, on the building. Because we feel like that's good stewardship. We can't, we can't um, uh, violate God's clear commands to be good stewards of what he's given us. Okay? And the last thing is trust. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I look around, I go, these are some weird times. We got some crazy leadership. All right? We've got, uh, um, we got an economy that's not real good right now. And we've got... Um, you know, Obamacare is changing things with everybody's pocketbook. And there'd be a lot of reasons, and I've had a lot of those reasons thrown at me, and I think they're all valid concerns about us moving forward with a project. But you know what it comes down to me? Trust. Trust. If he says go, we go. If he says stop, we stop. So do we trust him? You know, on a personal level, guys, it looks different for each person, but I was talking with a good friend a few weeks back, and he said, listen, um, we're in our mid-30s, and we don't have any children. And he said, we've been wanting kids for a long time, and we've done all kinds of different methods to get them. He says, I want to have, you know, we thought about adopting and all these other things. He says, but I really want to just, I just want to have my own biological kids. And so they've spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars in years and years of waiting on God that they might have a child. And I said, how are you doing with that? And he says, it's, it's like, I want one really bad. And my wife cries and I cry. 
and we wonder why it's not different. He says, I don't ask why us because it could have been anybody. But then he said this. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to change some things in my life. It's not going to change who I worship. It's not going to change what I believe about God. It's not going to change what he wants to do through my life. It's not going to change these things because I know God knows best. I know his timing is perfect. I know my God, if he chooses to give me children through our own womb, then that's awesome and I would be so excited. But if he does not, I will still worship the Lord. That's what he told me. And I said, that's it. You still want what you want, but you don't want it more than you want God. And if that's where you are, then you're waiting well. So can I just ask you to walk through whatever you're waiting on? Can you go right now back and remember the faithfulness of God? Go ahead, think about it. How has God been good to you? How has he been faithful to you? How has he provided for you? How has he gone out of his way to bless you more than you deserve? Maybe you go back to a communion table and remember. How about taking an A, an honest look at yourself? God, is there anything in me? Is there anything I'm doing or not doing that might keep you from doing all that you want to do in my life? Test me, God. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Maybe you've been waiting the wrong way and you've just been sitting still. And God says, I want you to move forward. I want you to move. I want you to demonstrate your trust in me by moving even before you see me move. And then maybe you just really struggle trusting God. Maybe you have not had that trustworthy person in your life. And so it's hard for you to trust God. Can I tell you, I will, trust, I will entrust my life and the decisions of my life and the future of my life and my family to a God that loves me so much that he would go to a cross for me. He's somebody I can trust. My creator, my sustainer, my savior, my redeemer, the one who's got eternity planned out for me, he's the one I can trust. He's trustworthy. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, we need to remember this wisdom you've given us. God, if we're waiting right now, we need it today. And so, Father, some of us might just need to say we trust you, Lord. And we're going to wait differently on you. We're not going to wait the way we've been waiting. We're going to wait in a new way, expectantly, excitedly, full of faith, full of joy, full of peace, not withering, but flourishing. God, would you cause your people to flourish in their waiting? God, that we would be so rooted in you that whatever storm comes, whatever drought comes, it will not diminish the work of God in our lives. And Father, if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't have that faith, I'm going to ask them to come up while we sing this song. And if they need to borrow somebody else's faith, that would pray for them and ask God on their behalf to give them the faith to trust you. God, we want to ask you to do that today. 
this place is open. So do what you want, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.